Happy New Year, everyone. I'm so excited that we are back to the Choice to Be Happy podcast. We're kicking it off strong with today's first guest of 2019, Maritza Grooms. Among many, many roles, she's the team coordinator at Girls Incorporated of Greater Lowell. She's co-chair of the Kindred Project. She's also an active board member on the Cultural Organization of Lowell, also known as COOL. She's a friend of the Pollard Memorial Library, and she's on the board of LTC, also known as Lowell Telecommunications. And she's also co-host of History in Lowell, a sit-down talk show with Bob Ferrant. During today's talk, we have an honest conversation about the circumstances that really shape who we are today as people. Maritza is going to be honest. She's going to be real. She's going to tell the truth about her own personal journey, discovering happiness and what that looks like for her and how she chose to look at her circumstances as a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block. We get real. We get raw. Here we go. Maritza, I'm so happy to have you here. <laughs> Me too. I'm so <laughs> excited. <laughs> We're just going to jump right in. All right. So what does the journey towards happiness look like for you? So it's really funny because I've thought about this a lot. It's It looks like my next tattoo, mm. which is a unilome. Uh, Unilome is some kind of symbol that represents the path to enlightenment. And it's not a straight line. And that's been my path to happiness. It's definitely not been a straight line. It's been more of a zigzags and swirls. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been very interesting. Um, but it's definitely been an exciting journey and, and really interesting. <laughs> so I know for a lot of the people that I speak with, when we think about our stance on happiness and kind of how we live our lives today, it's usually always inevitably tied to childhood in some way mm. and either acting in resistance to what you went through or acceptance of what you went through. So can you talk a little bit about your experience? Absolutely. So as a child, um, I'd say that I was a very happy child. I'm smiley and giggly and I've carried that childlike spirit throughout. Um, as a teenager, I was, um, very de depressed, but I would say I always laugh to keep from crying. Um, so as a child, I was born here in Lowell, and uh, my mom had some um, issues with substance abuse, and for a while we had to move away, well, for our whole lives. So my dad's sister, my wonderful auntie mama, she adopted me, and my sister went to live with her dad in New Hampshire, and I went to live in Boston. So for those first couple of years, I was really, really sad. But um, it actually was really funny. I was in school and we were doing music class or something. And they were like, oh, we're really worried about Maritza. She doesn't want to do anything. She didn't, she's so sad. She doesn't talk. And I just really wanted to play the triangle, I guess. <laughs> um, but... I was really lucky um, having this really wonderful family who put me in this really awesome school. And these people were like the best nurturers ever. And um, I started little by little getting out of my shell. Um, but childhood was rough seeing your mom, you know, go through that in the halfway house and then only being able to see her and your sister every other weekend. And of course, my dad's around. Um, he lived with us off and on, but you know, he was young and there was a lot going on. So 
Um, we It was kind of a tumultuous times, but my family was really awesome. We would always have game nights and like they would invite my mom and we would have a really good time. So those are like the joyous moments of my, mm. my childhood. Um, I do remember, you know, coming home from my mom's and just like, crying just like hysterical like oh my god I'm never gonna see you again and I guess that's you know what trauma will do to you as a Mm. kid but um yeah I was a little weirdo uh because I think that I did I did use my happiness as a resistance kind Mm. of um I really just wanted to laugh all the time and I wanted to kind of rewrite my story sort of um, maybe I didn't realize it at the time, but that's definitely what I was doing. Looking back, I really just wanted to be happy. And if you ask me what I wanted in life, my goals, always, whether I was five or 15, I just wanted to be happy. I know one of the things that I find really fascinating about anyone who's experienced like hardships in their life is just being able to look forward and be positive and be optimistic. And I might be biased, but I feel like you have such a genuine joy, excitement about life, like peacefulness. And um, it's interesting because the, when I think about the premise of choice to be happy and what it meant for me, it was like you, like kind of an act of resistance, like in spite of all of this, I'm going to choose this. Mm -hmm. And it really makes me look at people differently. Like, you never know what people are going through. And behind a smile can mm. be just a, a lot of stuff. And I think, um, yeah, I'm just with you in that, I think. Yeah, yeah. I would say, too, you know, like I, I talked about my family. They're a bunch of clowns. Like, so on both sides, my mom's side and my dad's side. My dad and his brothers and my wonderful aunt you would think that they thought they had their own comedy show. They (laughs) really just kind of, you know, they poke fun at each other. And it's literally some of the funniest things that, well, we all think it's funny. I'll tell you, there are times in my life that I didn't think everything was hilarious (laughs) at my expense. But I would say that they really taught me how to laugh at my own mistakes or my own shortcomings. And, um, Watching my aunt, I think, really kind of inspired me. And my Nana, they're two of the biggest givers I've ever seen in my life. They're the most generous people I know. And I will say, like, I took them for granted when I was younger. I definitely didn't appreciate what I had right in front of me. But my aunt, you know, she would work. And and what kind of angel, you know, just says, yeah, I will take my niece in. I have no children on my own. Um, and I'll put my life on hold kind of to raise this person, right? Like sent from heaven. Um, but I watched her work her butt off as doing administrative work and things like that. And that's not the kind of thing that brings you joy, Mm. but she would be in the community. She'd be in the church and she would force me to go to these things or why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Don't knock it till you try it. (laughs) And all of these things. And I really would be the most annoyed. But when I look back on my life, I'm like, wow, seeing her so happy to be our Girl Scout leader, Mm. our double Dutch coach, getting us in bowling. We would be doing our Girl Scout cookie wrap on the corner (laughs) in Boston, you know. And this woman 
really taught me one to love community and that you are a part of a community you give back to your community Mm. but she also taught me that joy doesn't always come from a nine to five Mm. it comes from what you feel drives the world around you Mm. and maybe even from your faith in something greater than yourself yes and I think watching her really inspired me definitely in my life now who I am now is in large part due to watching this woman break her back to make sure that we had the best opportunities because it wasn't just me she always calls me and my cousins the daughters of her heart not of my womb of my heart (laughs) and you know it's the simple things that really brought her joy Mm. and and I think that's where I've learned to appreciate the simple things yes. in life, you yes. know, and giving back. And I've always been a giver. Mm. Always just want to give to everybody. No, here, just take my whole heart. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, for me, that's where a lot of my joy comes from and making other people smile. Mm. If I would see anybody with a frown, like, let me just make you happy. Let me just make <laughs> you laugh. Like, maybe I'm not the funniest, but I'll trip over myself and that's going to get it, yeah. right? And I think that actually it's both a blessing and a curse probably because then you learn that people kind of only like you when you're making them smile Mm. or making them laugh and you're like well who's gonna make me laugh um i don't know Mm. (laughs) it's real yeah (laughs) you know yeah but and my cousins too oh my goodness my cousins and my sisters we would have the best times like we play pretend as kids and you think you look at these kids nowadays with their phones in their hands, all addicted to technology. We didn't have that. Yeah. We, me and my sister, would be visiting our mom on the weekends. We out in the backyard with a stick, pretending we're being Cinderella. Like that's the kind of stuff <laughs> we would do. Me and my cousins making movies and stuff, and um, you know, it's the simple things: mm. spending time with family, watching Lifetime movies. Oh my goodness, so many Lifetime. So movies. many things. Yes. <laughs> But that's what brought a smile on my face as a kid. And I think that's still what brings a smile on my face now. And how cool that you find yourself now working for a nonprofit, literally being paid to give back. Can you talk a little bit about your journey to Girls Inc., like how it started? Because I know you didn't just like pop out the womb a teen coordinator. <laughs> so what was, yeah, what was that like that journey like for you? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we're going to have to go back to college, right? So everybody always asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm, I like to believe that we're all nuanced, complex creatures of the universe, right? <laughs> I went through a lot of different things. I wanted to be uh, a trapeze architect. Yes. So I wanted to, <laughs> you know, design buildings, but also be in the circus. But then I learned about the circus and how they treat animals. And I was like, okay, well, that's out. Can't be an architect either. Um, <laughs> Then, you know, I went through a bunch of things and you you think when you're a kid, it's like, oh, you have to be a doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever. But I was just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I want to be. I just know I want to graduate from college. Mm. So I went for psychology thinking, okay, this is how I can help people, right? I can be a therapist. That didn't work out. Psychology classes are very large. And I also learned that I cannot learn in very large classrooms. That's just not for me. Gosh. Um, I also didn't really like the things, the way that psychology was being taught. Um, It just wasn't for me. And I had taken a linguistics course and everybody's like, well, what are you going to do with linguistics? I'm like, well, it's language. We use it every day. Uh, I, I feel like I use my linguistics major all the time in everything I do. 
Um, but yeah, I kind of started so late that there really wasn't time for me to figure out what I wanted to do beyond that. So after I graduated, I was kind of just listless. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I threw my degree on the floor and I was like, man, that's like $100,000. That's a lot of money. Mm. And what am I going to do with this? From Boston University, really? Like me, I went there. Great. Now what? Mm. You know? So I was kind of lost. I didn't utilize my resources is really what the problem was. But I got a temp job at this place, Sleep Health Centers, because you got to work. You got loans. Now you got to pay them. Right? And... You know, my dad always taught me, you work hard, you play hard, but when you're putting in that work, make sure you give 110%, no matter what you're doing. And so I did, and they hired me to be permanent and then promoted me to be the patient care team leader. I was on it. I was good at patient care. <laughs> give me those admin, like, let me check that patient in, you know? <laughs> but it, they all noticed every time a kid would come in, I was that go-to person. I would always be like, oh, hello. Oh, and who is this? And it was just a natural thing. You know, maybe it's being the oldest. I don't know. It's a natural thing. I love kids. Um, so I lost that job, but because of the connections I made there, I got a nannying position with these two wonderful, smart, awesome little boys. And I'll never forget them, Josue and Jacoby. They gave me a run for my money because I had never been a nanny before. I had babysat just my family and boys are very different, <laughs> but it was fun. And um, from there, I was like, maybe there's something to this working with kids. Maybe I could do this. Uh, so because the nannying gig was not paying as much as I needed and I had just lost my job, it was a turbulent time in my life. My mom said, well, you know, your sister's about to graduate from college. Why don't you move back to Lowell? Mm. and i was like lol mom <laughs> i don't know man i don't know maybe i'll have to take a, a temp job again but i really wanted to go back to school or do something meaningful and i just couldn't figure out what i wanted to do and i would make lists i wanted to teach you know i wanted to teach spanish even though i had only just been learning spanish myself I wanted to be an aerobics instructor. I wanted to have a dance crew. I wanted to do a whole bunch of really cool things, but I didn't know how to get there. Mm. So I moved to Lowell, 2012. Here I am sitting on my mom's couch. Okay, maybe I'll go to the career center and figure out what I can do. I don't know. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. Sat on the couch for a whole summer looking for jobs. I don't have a car. Yes. I don't have money to get a car. Yep. What's within walking distance that I can do? I need to pay these bills, right? And my mom had set it up so that I didn't have to pay rent or anything, but I just had to take care of my bills, mm. which definitely makes sense, and which I had a lot of. So here I am, kind of still aimless, but needing to get a job. Got a job at CVS downtown, and that was one of the best jobs I could have gotten as a first time Lowell resident, well, first times in my adult life, mm. because you start meeting all kinds of really interesting people. And it's like, you really get to the heart of Lowell kind of. Yeah. And I'm the type of person, like I said, put in 110%. Hello, welcome to CBS, can I help you with anything? <laughs> and I still see some of those people out in the community and we say hello, and we keep it moving, right? 
but I still felt like, okay, I got my part-time job so I can pay my bills. I need to do something meaningful. So I talked to my dad and I'm like, where could I volunteer? Cause I need experience before I can work with kids it, because that's a requirement, right? You can't just be like, Hey, let me work with your kids. I've never worked with kids really before. Um, so I had, you know, I knew about the Y, I knew about boys and girls club, but I was walking down, what is it? Dutton street. Mm. And I was like, what's that? What's girls Inc. What is that? So I Googled it, researched it. I was like, strong, smart and bold. <laughs> What are we doing with girls? Five to 18? That's a whole bunch of girls. Maybe I can show them that, you know, life can be more than this. What? Oh, I would love to do this. Let mm. me go in there. So I filled out the volunteer application. I remember it was like a 90 plus degree day. I dressed up in some professional clothes because that's what my aunt taught me to do. Yeah. You bring your resume because you never know. <laughs> Went in there. The first person I saw is somebody who I'm extremely close with now, who was my mentor. And one of my like biggest supporters, definitely one of my best friends, Jennifer Demers. And this woman was, de- it was definitely lunchtime. And you could tell some now that I'm a staff and I've been there for so long, you knew something was going down. Cause she was like, hi, yep, okay, thank you. <laughs> so nice, <laughs> but on the way to something else. Okay, we'll call. So I met with her and Kate and I started volunteering there, fell in love. Mm. The girls, the staff, the atmosphere. I was like, oh my God, I found my home. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just amazing. And I loved it so much. But I, what I didn't know was that they were falling in love with me too. Mm. And they offered me a job at the end of that summer. I started working there part-time, still on the hustle at CVS, still on the grind. You better do two jobs. You know, <laughs> these kids don't know out here. It's rough. I'd be trying to tell them. But the kids I worked with knew because I would be like, listen, all right, we don't get paid enough to lie <laughs> about why I'm here. I'm here because I care and I want you guys to have the best life possible. Mm. Um, and then shortly after that, I got promoted to be the team coordinator um, because the former team coordinator was leaving. And I worked with these incredible, resilient, amazing teenagers who gave me a run for my money. <laughs> Give me a run for my money. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what song is that? Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Yes, yeah. love. Yeah, love. <laughs> those kids certainly did but i found my home Mm. and uh, i think it was about a year later they promoted me to full-time and i believe i'm the first person to have the full-time teen coordinator position Mm. at girls inc at least since the 90s that's incredible and how your story is just so beautiful to me because you you're in boston you're unsure of what to do you get invited to come here 2012 you take that same spirit of like finding the good in everything to the sleep center for whatever reason that doesn't work out Mm -hmm. then cvs a job that is like it might as well be a course in community relations like you're meeting all these people you have to be professional you're in the heart of downtown then you're walking by this place, feel compelled to apply. You're literally volunteering your time. Mm-hmm. And then they see something in you that's so powerful that they want you to be part of the team. It's that like universal, like beyond your control stuff. Oh, yeah. That really 
it lets you kind of feel like you're in the right place at the right time. I too came to Massachusetts in 2012, which is insane. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I was coming, well, of course I'm from the North, but I went to college in Virginia, came up in 2012 and same thing, just figuring it out as I went. Mm-hmm. And How? look at us now. I know. <laughs> And for those of you that don't know, Maritza and I worked together at Girls Inc. for how long? Maybe more than two years? Yeah. I don't know. Every time I think about them, what, like, even kids who don't know you, I'm like, yeah, how you don't know her? (laughs) (laughs) We shared an office. It was fun times. Glorious. 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 And that's why we are still friends today. Insane. It's so many years. One of my best friends. Just to put that in there. So on like a serious note with, with the teen program, it's, it's on you to instill all of these important things and, um, shape them, but also give them freedom. And you have that whole balance of being like the cool Maritza versus being like the professional girls Inc. staff Maritza. What's it like working with teens? Like every, almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like every single day. I know there was definitely a time in my life I felt like I was at Girls Inc. every single day. (laughs) And it might have just been because we were doing field trips on Saturdays. Um, Those kids, my first group of kids, they were, you know, 13, 14 years old. These kids had seen crazy trauma in their lives. Parents not being there, you um, you know, living in poverty. Kids who have experienced or witnessed crazy abusive situations or just wild things that they shouldn't have been privy to Mm. at such a young age and the way i bonded with these kids was just like hey guys where i grew up is a lot like your lives i grew up in orchard gardens that's the appropriate term Mm. but for those who live there it's op it's the hood in roxbury and you know I related to them on a certain level that other people just could not. Um, And a lot of people are afraid to work with teens. Yeah. Which is wild to me. They're my favorite age group. They are so insightful. Yeah. And they're, they're on that cusp where, you know, I remember being a teenager and being like hearing you know, you're a child, stay in child's place, but also you're a young adult and you have responsibilities. That's really confusing. Okay, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I wrote a lot in my journals at that time. So I brought them in and I have them and I would read them to kind of prepare me for what I would have to deal with with the kids. And I'm like, no, y'all are still beyond me. You're thinking about, you know, hustle, what kind of jobs mm-hmm. you're going to get when you're 14 or, you know, 15. They're like, I think I can apply to Market Basket and, and now I'm going to have a car by the time I'm 16, 17. I'm like, yo, I still don't got a car. Like these kids mm-hmm. are out here really thinking about life. And it was at that time a very um, informal environment there wasn't very much structure the teen program was kind of all over the place and we had just got the teen center so yes yes. yeah we were we finally got our own space right as i became the teen coordinator and i kind of just let it flow i didn't want to force them to do anything because they're already forced to go to school they're already forced to do chores when they're at home you know you have your teenage responsibilities but like you said, it's it was my responsibility to impart something onto these kids, you know, and make them care about life. And some of them didn't. Some of them just were like, it is what it is. And if I get there, I get there. Yeah. 
Um, but these kids, like I said, they gave me a run for my money. They taught me so much and we learned together. We yes. grew together. And I also want to just point out that you, I also just want to point out that given how committed you've been to Girls Inc., you have seen like the entire high school experience for a child. You've seen that growth. Mm-hmm. I cannot, I can't even imagine what that's like. When I think about myself in high school, who? I can't. How do you, how does, how, what is that like for you to like watch them grow? Oh, it's bananas. Yeah. It's, I always tell them it's disgusting and I throw up all over them. <laughs> <laughs> um, for example, I have this one girl, she, um, man, I want to talk about all of them because they really, I'm so proud of all of them. Um, one girl, she was really quiet when I first met her. She wasn't even in the team program yet. Uh, came up one of the quieter teens watching these older wilder teens who are like making interesting choices you know and watching her grow up and have like the first boyfriends and the really you know crappy boyfriends Mm. having you know drama with friends and you know we live in Lowell these kids are here brawling like yeah you know and it's a reality that they face um you know having to have those talks about violence violence prevention but also, you know, taking care of yourself and learning self-defense because sometimes you can avoid it, you can ignore it, but if somebody's pulling your hair from across a fence, then you gotta do what you gotta do. And like, not to say I promote violence, but I do promote <laughs> defending yourself, yeah. you know? And then watching her, you know, still be involved in clubs at school, Girls Inc., her church things, sports or whatever, and now she's in this like crazy accelerated six year program. Crazy. At, at some school in Massachusetts. In Bo- we're in Massachusetts. <laughs> in Boston. Mm. And I and I look at her and I listen to the way that she talks about her goals and her life and the lessons that she's learned at Girls Inc. and the lessons that she's learned with me as her mentor. And I'm literally like, dude, we learn those lessons together. Yeah. You know. Um, it, it really is wild to watch somebody grow up. It's so bizarre to see someone go from, you know, fifth grade to college. Yeah. To see these kids who maybe weren't that motivated talk about, oh, I got to work on my procrastination and I really need to go talk to my advisor or come back and talk to the younger teens mm. about why they should listen to Maritza. <laughs> um, but... It's surreal. It's and and any kid who will say I had any hand in anything, I always say no. It was Girls Inc. as an environment because Girls Inc. changed me. Yes. Girls Inc. made me into a better person, into a better leader. And I always say to any staff that we bring in, we are learning just as much from the kids as yes. we are trying to teach. Yes. Um, and and doing things together like ropes courses when you're terrified of heights (laughs) (laughs) or horseback riding at Ironstone Farms, which is awesome. But you really become a better person working there. And these kids really have made a huge impact on my life. Mm. 
Um, but it is as bananas watching these kids grow up because you're like, whoa, the world is crazy. Yeah. Here's why you need to care about local <laughs> elections. Yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. Or, you know, we always talk about self-care as, you know, treating yourself. But like also self-care is maybe mapping out what you want your week to look like, staying on task with things so that you don't go and, you know, get behind on whatever. Yeah. Things like that. So and the only way I knew how to teach this was by modeling this yes, behavior. Yes. You know, um, being in healthy relationships. How do you model that? Mm-hmm. By really taking a look at yourself, whether mm-hmm. it's friendships, romantic partnerships, whatever it is, the relationship with yourself. Are you really being a friend to yourself when you're telling these kids to be a friend yes. to yourself? How many people even have that experience of literally like dealing with your mirror? every day like I would have kids checking me on like negative self-talk like Krista don't talk to yourself (laughs) like that like it's something that I think everyone should experience just imagine Mm -hmm. like that's incredible so for your teens in the program now if they were listening what would you what would you want to say to them as a little (laughs) shout out hey babies Uh, The theme of this week, they know, is put in that work. Nothing is done without effort. And that includes being a better person, being better at school, being better dancers. Um, Anything that you are trying to do, you can't get better without putting in that work. They know when I say practice makes better because nobody's perfect. Yes. So that's what I want to say to my babies. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, So not only are you the teen coordinator at Girls Inc., which is a very, and when I say heavy, I just mean in terms of like impact, like you're on the ground, you're inspiring the youth. You are also the co-chair of the Kindred Project, which is a fantastic community organization that's making a huge impact here in Lowell. Can you tell me a bit about um, exactly what the Kindred Project is, why you're a part of it, and why um, it's important for others to support it? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. (laughs) The Kindred Project is probably one of my favorite things. No, definitely one of my favorite things I get to do. And I say I get to do because I consider it a privilege and an honor to be the co-chair of this really great kind of grassroots thing that Masada Jones decided like, hey, guys, we need this. And I was like, you know what? Yes, we do. Our whole mission is to create visible community with black people and people of color in Lowell. Yes. And that all stemmed from just not seeing us in a lot of spaces that we frequent. Being a part of an organization like Girls Inc., we go to a bunch of community events and or fundraisers, right? And you look around the room and I like to play this game. How many people of color are there? How many people here look like me? Mm. And often it might be two other people. Yeah. Which is why a lot of black folks get confused with a lot a lot of other black <laughs> folks. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> <laughs> it happens way too often mm-hmm. for the people that we are. <laughs> so I remember Masada and I were on the Violence Prevention Coalition together. It was a few years ago. We we're talking to the entire group and it was at the height of, um, there was some stuff going on at the high school. Okay. A young brother got elected as class president and there was this whole uproar 
and there were racial slurs being thrown around in text messages. And we, as youth workers, were like, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to support the youth? Yeah. And we as adults need to be better allies for our young people, especially young people of color. Yes. And everybody at the table was like, yes. Masada and I were like, let's take action. Everybody's like, okay, mm. what do you want to do? So um, Masada's brainchild was the Courageous Conversations. Yes. And... Why, and it was why talking about race is important. And we had this whole thing about identifying privileges and, you know, what the danger of a single story is. And just really bringing people to the table to say, you know, we need to talk about this more because there are not just this incident. There are more people who feel this way, that this is not okay, that Lowell prides itself on being this diverse place. And, oh, yeah, look at all the things that we have. Look at Folk Fest, and we celebrate everybody's culture. Okay, but once Folk Fest is done, how do you treat those people who are mm -hmm. part of those different cultures? Mm -hmm. And where are they? Why are we not represented on city council? Why are we not represented in these organizations that serve these communities? Mm. And I'll tell you, even at Girls Inc., right? I'm now, after you left, the only black woman that mm. works there and the only person of color in a leadership position. Mm. And I will, and you remember how much of a difference that makes for young people. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it makes a difference. Yes. People, we, and we say all the time, and especially at that organization, representation matters. So we want to see more women in STEM fields. We want to see more women in uh, management and leadership. But what about people of color? Where are we at the table, right? And the Kindred Project kind of stemmed from a desire to uplift, unite, and empower the Black and Latinx communities of Lowell because we were like, okay, we need to stick together. We need to celebrate each other. Uh, so Masada was kind of like low-key building this network of amazing women and brought us all to the table. And it was just really kind of like, hey, let's be friends. Yes. And it was beautiful. It was yes. a beautiful thing. And we all had these same shared experiences. And we were like, we need to do something about this. <laughs> and everybody's kind of busy. You know, everybody got things going on in their lives. Um, and I think that she and I were like, well, we have the time. Let's do something. Let's do these events. So we started having community events and we did another Courageous Conversations. We tried to partner with some organizations. We par partnered with National Parks, National Historical Parks, excuse me, um, to do a Your City Saturdays event. And that was like a cross-generational talk, which was really insightful because we learned, we've been learning a lot about the history of how black folks have been treated in Lowell mm. basically for like a long time. And um, a lot of that we learned about like urban renewal, mm. you know, and redlining and things that were going on that people wouldn't know about. Yeah. So we just continued to do this work, but it felt like, you know, maybe people didn't really want this. Maybe black folks didn't want us here mm. or maybe they don't think that we need to do the work here but we really don't know maybe they just don't know that we're trying to do this work here so we kind of went back to the drawing board and we said you know what i think that we need to be more intentional we need to be more strategic we need to figure out what we're really trying to do specifically yeah. in lowell and that's when we came out with the mission to create visible community with black folks in lowell um and then we 
after we revamped our mission, we had our first big event, the Melanin Mixer. Yes, Melanin. Yes. <laughs> and we also realized that if we don't put Melanin in the title of our events, allies will show up, which is awesome. We love our allies, but this ain't for you. Y'all have a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. And you can support in other ways, like donations. Or, you know, if you know of people looking for things and humans to do things and stuff, contact us. We can speak for ourselves. We can show up. Mm. And we we are very intentional about that. So not just creating events for folks, but showing up in groups so that they can see, hey, Melanin is here. We are present in Lowell. Um, and then, because we do have really incredible allies, one of them approached us, Wendy Blum of LTC, who is really one of the most amazing allies I've ever met because she believes in diversity and not just, as, and to be the executive director of LTC yeah. and to say, I believe in diversity and actually show that she believes in diversity, whether it's staff, board members, and programming and all of the things that LTC offers, that's one of the organizations I can say for sure is actually putting in that work to show that they care about diversity mm. and reflect it. Um, she approached us about doing a show called Kindred Conversations, yes. Living Black and Lowell. <laughs> and that was just another way for us to kind of use our platform to showcase what black folks are doing here in Lowell and to also kind of reiterate that idea and that message that we are here yeah. and we want this community and we love this community, but we just want this community to also love us back. Reciprocation is nice. <laughs> and it's not always just about, you know, getting a seat at the table. It's also about creating our own table and having our own space where we can kind of share those feelings and the sometimes the weight and heaviness of being black, but also the joys that we can have together and accomplishments like this little network of women. Now we're always meeting or we try <laughs> and it's so empowering and I feel empowered because of it. Yeah. I feel like I can do things because of it, you know? So that's that's the Kindred Project in a nutshell. Yes, nutshell. <laughs> Acorn, walnut. <laughs> so speaking of um, just finding joy within yourself and doing things that you love and things like the Kindred Project that make you feel just passionate about being who you are, you also have this magical side I've seen on Instagram where you will post this really nice picture and write a poem and it's usually something about self-love or you reflecting on something and I feel like it's something that you started doing like recently, like not forever. Mm -hmm. Where did it come from? Is it is it tied to anything unique in your life, special in your life? Oh, yes. <laughs> this is where it gets deep. <laughs> <laughs> so I started my Instagram in 2018, at the beginning of 2018, as a way to heal from a toxic relationship that I was in previously. Um, and I can talk about that because that actually was one of the more formative relationships that I have had in my whole life. Mm. I knew that person for almost 20 years. Wow. And 
we had gone to school together for a long time. We had become best friends. And when I say best friends, I mean like on the phone every day, best friends, mm. um, trying to see each other almost every day. Actually, one of the only people to visit me when I moved out here wow. and I was miserable and I had no friends and knew no one mm. and was smiling at strangers on the street. <laughs> <laughs> now I smile and usually people aren't strangers. <laughs> but uh yeah my instagram has been that journey of kind of finding myself again um i definitely lost myself in that relationship when we fell in love Mm. um, i kind of ignored a lot of the warning signs that you see when you're learning about you know unhealthy relationships yeah um and it was actually working at girls inc that helped me to realize I was not in the best place and I could potentially do better. Um, and then, you know, being a role model to girls, we say, you know, it's important to love yourself. It's it's important to respect yourself. And if you are not getting that respect, then it's also important to walk away. Yes. You know, from whatever it is that is causing you harm, whether it be emotional psychological physical whatever so i wanted to be in love so bad i wanted it i wanted the fairy tale romance Mm. i wanted to be swept off my feet and have my heart beating and my hands sweaty and Mm. the kick with the kiss you know i wanted to have something that wasn't real it wasn't realistic it was not that the love wasn't real, of course, you know, 20 years of life, you, you've known somebody, there's love there. Um, but one thing about me being a people pleaser, when I realized I couldn't make someone else happy, I also realized I'm spending all this time trying to make somebody else happy. Am I happy? What am I doing for me? Yes. And I'll never forget, there was this one moment, and this was a couple of years before the breakup. I remember being on the phone with him and I'm doing all of these things, learning about his background um, and what he does for work and trying to help build his business. And that was actually one of my dreams as, as um, his best friend was to work with him in some capacity in the future. And then here I was working with him and, you know, like kind of helping him to manage his business. And all the while, I'm like, okay, but what if something happens? And then and then, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Like, yes, I work at this really awesome organization, but am I gonna work at a nonprofit forever? And what if I can't do this with you anymore? What am I gonna do? What's my passion? Yeah. And that's actually when I started getting more involved in the community. And people approached me to join boards. I started volunteering randomly at events or just showing up at community events. Um, and making new friends Um, but as his business was booming uh, and I started getting more hands-on I realized I loved it I loved it so much I was so good at it Um, and then I would say 2017 life hit hard for the people that I love the people around me Um, and he ended up having to come to Lowell 
he and he was in Boston. My plan was always to go back to Boston because when I first moved here, I did not love Lowell as mm. much as I love Lowell now. And then Lowell and I had a little affair for a while, <laughs> <laughs> and I fell in love. Um, but he came here, and I had started building this network for myself, and I was hustling and being my chipper, enthusiastic person, you know, the the person that I am. And I actually made some really great connections for him as well. Mm. And so we were able to, you know, work on his business here in Lowell, making great connections. My friend supported his business as well. And I thought everything was just dandy. Yeah. It was wonderful. I was living the dream. But often when we have such a good public persona, you don't really want people to know what's going on behind closed doors. And I won't go into the details of that because I respect his privacy, but things were not chipper. Things were not great. And when he moved out here, it was under really tough circumstances and it wasn't wonderful. Um, And throughout 2017, our relationship started to deteriorate and maybe was deteriorating before that, but it really was just unraveling right before my eyes. And I was actually reading my journal Uh, earlier and I could see how badly I was trying to convince myself that we could work through everything that was happening Mm. but I just couldn't fathom how a person could treat someone the way that I was being treated and I can't lie I have my toxic traits too and they only became exacerbated every time we would have conflicts and so I realized he wasn't happy mm. and I could never make him happy. And I felt I was standing in the way of his happiness. Mm. And then on top of that, I was looking at my life and I looked at all the things I accomplished in 2017. Yeah, I looked at, you know, my my show History and Lowell, which was my first show on LTC. Yes, which throwback. Still <laughs> happening. Tune in. <laughs> I looked at my friend's that I used to always say, I have no friends. I have no friends. And now I have like this crazy network of friends, Mm. like real friends, people who support me and who encourage me and who believe in me. I didn't have that before. People who I could confide in, people who are going to call me out when I'm not the best Maritza that I can be. Those are good friends, but ooh, yes. (laughs) The honesty (laughs) is raw, but I need that. That's what I need. And, and, not honesty that's going to make you feel bad about yourself, but a person who can say, hey, friend, can I talk to you about this? Oh, yes. You know? Yes. I need that in life. And when I started seeing I, my relationship with my family was getting better because we had, had, you know, some rocky times in college, too, because I was a little bit of a brat, just a bit. Um, you know, I had this wonderful community that I that I love. I believe that Lowell can be amazing. Mm. And Lowell started believing in me. Mm. And I looked around and I said, wow, I'm happy in every area of my life. Socially, um, financially, I was Praise working. him, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, was, I was finally putting things in my savings, <laughs> all right? Because that's one of the things that I'm teaching the girls. I'm like, mm, I really can't teach y'all about this. <laughs> so <laughs> a budget. And then I, you know, even physically, I had started working out. I was eating better. Everything in my life was getting better except for 
that relationship. Yeah. And I had to make that choice and I and it was a really difficult choice and it all came from probably one of our uh epic arguments. Yeah. Uh, because just as the love was epic, so was the argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh almost every fight was like a show. Um but one night I had come home and I'm exhausted and you know from doing all of my community things and all of my volunteering or whatever I do and he had been grumpy which he is he tends to be that's kind of just who he is and you know he had things going on in his life too but I had been holding him down and he said to me after like we had had some words I'm done with you and I was like you've done with me oh god you done with me yes I choose me I choose me, this person who had been choosing himself the entirety of this relationship. And I said to him, (laughs) I've been choosing us this whole time. And now that I'm getting a little bit of fanfare, a little bit of accolades, even still supporting you in your business and still making waves for you and paths for you to be successful, you're going to sit here and say, you choose me. No, I choose me. Go ahead, choose you. I choose me. And was that difficult? Oh, girl. Oh, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yes, because fairy tale romance, right? You want to ignore all of the things, but I had to get real with myself. Like the get real healthy relationships workshops that we <laughs> do. <laughs> I had to get very real. And it was the hardest thing I did. But it was the best thing I could have done, I think, for both of us. Yeah. Because I didn't want to hold him back either. I didn't want him to feel like he was stagnant or he was in a prison that he couldn't escape from. And that's kind of what he made our relationship seem like. And I never want to be in a relationship like that. And I don't want that for the person I love either. And, you know, there were some words said and I wasn't always my best and definitely did some crazy things in that relationship. And there were times where I was either the victim or the perpetrator. I will say that I'm honest, but neither one of us should have had to deal with the things that we dealt with when it comes to love. I don't think that's what love looks like. And all I kept thinking was I cannot bring children into this world with this kind of example. Mm. And I can't sit here and tell these girls to be in healthy relationships and put yourself first and take care of yourself while I'm sitting here taking care of someone who is not putting me first, who has never put me first. And so I was kind of devastated. I was a little bit traumatized um, because I never thought that that relationship would end. I thought it was going to be forever and it wasn't. And so I had to figure out a way to cope um, and a way to heal and a way to come back to myself, to find myself again, because Mm -hmm. I had gone so far beyond who I thought I was, who I used to be. And I wasn't happy-go-lucky, cheerful Maritza anymore. I was cynical. I was angry. Mm. And I was a little bit mean. (laughs) And people might not know that, but there are some people who definitely (laughs) do. I was a little bit aggressive, a little intense. Mm. Um, But I realized that was just, you know, dealing with that kind of anger and heaviness all the time. So I had to start appealing and 
I used metaphors like trees and flowers because that's what I felt like. I felt like I had been, you know, that quote that's like, you know, when you're in the darkness, you don't realize that you've been planted. Oh, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) They didn't know we were seeds. Exactly. (laughs) And that's what I felt like. And so that was the best way I knew how to express myself. And I hadn't written in so long. I used to write all the time. I One of my side goals is to be a writer. Yes. And so I figured what better way to start my goal and also help myself heal and come back to myself than to write. And I also love taking pictures of nature. And so I would take these pictures. And um, a really good friend of mine asked if, you know, I wanted to take some photos of myself. And that actually was during one of those really dark periods where we're still living together, but in this weird breakup or about to break up. And so getting out of the house was really important. And those those pictures, so at the beginning of my Instagram, you'll see these pictures at Medfield State Hospital. And it's during fall, and it was kind of like the end. Yeah. A death was happening, you know? And I think my first picture says, welcome to my rebirth. It's so <laughs> dramatic. But, you know, that's how I am. And, yeah, I, the Instagram definitely, if you scroll from the beginning to now, it went from darkness to full of color. Yes. And I have regained my sense of self yes, back. And yes. I am reclaiming my time. Yes. And energy. Yes. <laughs> as much as like social media gets a bad rep, how beautiful for you to have this like visual record of your growth. Like seriously, I, I admire you so much just for your awareness of everything, for your accountability of everything. And I think the realization that it's not anyone's responsibility to make you happy, Mm -hmm. whether it's a relationship, a marriage, anything, I'm just so happy that you know that, that you're imparting that to the Girls at Girls Inc. It's a it's a beautiful thing. And I think if everyone kind of understood that, held on to that, the world would be better. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so given, given everything that you've gone through, the good, the bad, the awareness, the awakenings, mm-hmm. the cracking of the shell, what would you say today Maritza knows for sure? Oh, what I know for sure. What I know for sure is that no matter what comes my way, no no matter what, life is waves. And yes, maybe sometimes those waves will crash on you and maybe your surfboard might break, but it can always be repaired Mm -hmm. and you can always learn to surf the waves. You you really got to know how to take life with the punches. Yes. You know. Um, I think, but to answer the actual question, what I know for sure is life ain't easy, but life isn't terrible either. It really is what you make of it. Yes. And that's it. That's what I know for sure. Mm, No, for sure. (laughs) For certain. (laughs) So now it's time for me to ask you that question. What does choice to be happy mean to you, Maritza? Choice to be happy to me means making that choice every day to do what is your what is in your greatest and highest good. Mm-hmm. That which is serving to you. When you first started this podcast and I told you, you know, I was so proud, like, oh, I know her. That's my girl. 
but I listened to your story and then I listened to all of them and I was crying. I was I, I listened to all of them in one day. Oh goodness. <laughs> Thank you. And um well, over the course of like a day and a half because I finished one in the morning before I went to work and I remember like just bawling my eyes out because I had realized how unhappy I had been in my life. Ugh. And I was and I think when you had started this, I was in a really dark, dark place and I was kind of rolling with the punches of life. I had really great things happen in 2018 and I had just like really dark moments where I felt lost and unsure of myself and like a piece of me had been ripped away. And listening to this podcast is kind of what pulled me out of that dark place. Oh gosh. And it made me realize that it's really a choice. Are you going to sit there and be a victim of circumstance? Mm. And yes, life will throw crazy things at you. Yes. <laughs> there are certain things you cannot control. Like I'm thinking of my friends at the national parks right now. Like, yeah. you know, the government is shut down. That's out of their control. And nobody's thinking about how high rent is or food and the fact that we got to buy our own bags now. It's like there's so many things that are out of our control, you know. And the only thing that you can't do Yes, be realistic. Yes, acknowledge the negatives in life, but then make a choice to be happy. And not just, oh, I'm just going to pretend like nothing is going on. No, I'm going to do the things that I need to do to improve my mental health, yes. to improve my self-care, and to go on a self-love journey. Yeah, You know, be honest with yourself, and, and eventually you will get there. I can tell you because I am literally the happiest I have been in a long time and it has been a true journey. Yes. And I didn't think that I could ever feel this good again. Um, but, you know, through friends, through a new romantic partner, um, through awesome opportunities that I've been granted, through like really incredible mentors who believe in me. Yeah. I, I'm back to myself and I really am happy and I'm ready for this journey where life is about to take me next. Yes. I'm just so grateful to have had you on to share your story, your truth. Um, and to just remind all of us that, yeah, like even happiness, it does come in waves like emotion, like it moves, our feelings move and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm just, I'm happy and Everything you told me that people don't know or the messages of support, it means a lot. Um, so for anyone out there who is obsessed with you now and wants to find <laughs> you on the internet for friendship or just to see what you're up to, where can people find you and The Kindred Project? Yes, well, The Kindred Project, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Lowell Kindred Project. You can find me on Facebook, be my friend, Maritza Yvette, and that's I-V-E-T-T-E. And you can also follow my Instagram at Mitzi Dragon, and I will spell Mitzi M-I-T-Z-Y in Dragon because, well, let's be real, I'm a Khaleesi. So, yeah, <laughs> follow me. <laughs> so you heard it. Follow Maritza. Follow the Kindred Project. 
This is Krista signing off. Anyone who's out there who's really interested in finding out where you can hear more of Choice to Be Happy, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact me directly at choice to be happy podcast at gmail.com. That's the number two and the letter B, all lowercase. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone. 